roses are red and so are most tracks. Goodness gracious me, it is good to be back. Happy Valentine's Day weekend, boys. Valentine's Day. <laughs> Obviously, me, neither me or Jodie have a Valentine, so we, we'd forgotten about it. But all we need is the great love of our lives, which is athletics Yay. and a chance to talk about it. And after a 10-week hiatus, I'm thrilled to be back. And it was so nice to kind of be eased back into it with that sensational seasonal preview that you guys managed. Did we do good without you, Claire? I, on, I think you might be better without me. <laughs> <laughs> Is Janessa around? Because like we could just scoot her. She was fabulous and so was John. I, I loved, loved the listen. No, you're I'm number one girl. Oh, stop it, I'm <laughs> <laughs> To any new listeners to the Backstreet Boys and Girl podcast, I am Claire. I'm Jodie. And I'm Bayo. And about once a month or so, we like to romp our way through the events and goings on in the world of athletics. We might forget some names, but we promise to remember others, mostly from the 70s and 80s, <laughs> from you two. Um, and hopefully it will keep you up to speed with the greatest sport in the world yes. and what fantastically is an Olympic year. Oh, God. It is great to be back, and I cannot believe the calibre of performances that we have already seen this year. I mean... It's incredible. I disappear for five weeks and I come back to world records galore and British people running things that mm. I never would have thought of. So yeah, it was exciting, exciting weekend. Actually, because it's the sort of bit of news that would fall under the radar, there was another world record just this morning. Was there? Joshua yes. Cheptegei oh, ran no. 12.51 over five kilometres in Monaco this morning. So he's now the 5.10, yes. So he's now the 5.10 and 15 world record holder at just 23 years of age. Um, so all these people who might still be foolish enough to think that Mo Farah is going to win gold <laughs> on the track at the Olympics this year, like look at what this kid is doing. Um, he uh, he's great, and it was mm. like it's been a good redemption for him as well because he is the guy who cracked up at the world cross country right when it was in. Uganda, a couple Uganda? of years ago. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, reigning world champion on the cross country at the moment. Yeah, um, and it's just a nice um, redemption from that story when he did that in his home crowd and to come back and have been so sensational over the last year. Awesome. Mm. Hi, I'm Morgan Lake and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. It's gross and grey and miserable outside, um, but thankfully it's the indoor season and we were treated to some fantastic performances in Glasgow yesterday. What were the standouts for you? Well, we should say a world record, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Getting a bit used to them, though. I'm just kind of like, yeah, okay, what's next? That was the most casual world record I've ever seen. Um, the organisers, it wasn't their, their fault because of the same one with the 400 gun, but it was all very low-key. There was no build-up. Oh, the 400's not happening. Mondo, do you want to have a go? And he kind of shrugs and sets a world record. That kid is... I mean, it's just... I, I, I've not seen because talent like that. scarily... He was about 10, 15 centimetres <laughs> over the bar. No, obviously, it doesn't necessarily mean a lot because it's all to do with where the pole is and, you know, angles, angles etc. But, I mean, he can do 20, he can yeah. do 25, yeah. can't he, really? Definitely. Mm. And he's only 20. Oh, shut up. <laughs> and, like, we say this a lot about young athletes. They come out, they're great as a junior, mm. maybe they have, like, a standout performance, and then they have to back it up. And he's not just backed it up, he's, like, so... There was never any doubt about him, though, because mentally he was so strong. And I spoke to his dad after Berlin, and we said we have to... Yes, me- did. Yeah, mm. and he, I kind of had to mention the, um, the world record. And he said, well, it's not stupid to talk about, but, like, give him a year or so, mm. spot on, a year or so later, he breaks the world record twice. But also the thing about Mondo is he's been pole vaulting since he was six. So he has as much experience, more mm. experience, mm. than people who are 10 years older than him <clears> because he's been doing it mm. since he was a child. It's ingrained in him. And also, you know, like when, you're, um, when you start out in athletics, unless, unless you are Mondo, you don't start out a pole vault. No. Pole vault is something that, like, 
you have someone in the team who can just do two meters to get one point does doesn't it it's yeah. not it's, it's not a specialist thing that people do at 11 12 13 you're mm. probably going to be starting maybe around then aren't you yeah i don't even know what the age i mean you're probably not allowed to do it at that age i don't know what the age is for under 11 i think is the youngest i've ever seen for pole vault but he was busy breaking world best at the age of seven mm-hmm. and how is he the world seven best that sounds, that sounds crazy well, there is and i bet it's probably higher than any of us could do already because the technique is so incredible <laughs> sorry did you see that little kid um someone posted on twitter throwing the javelin no I have to find it there's like an 8 year old with the best technique I've ever seen at throwing the javelin it was insane <laughs> like, I'll find it oh please do definitely share that <laughs> the thing with Mondo that I find quite mind blowing is that I want to ask you guys how high can he go but none of us know no because he's so young there's still a lot of physical um, games that he can make mm-hmm. psychologically he always seems to be in a really good place when he competes that, it's really impressed me how mature he is and how composed he is and how confident he is but I have no idea how high he can go, and I doubt that he does either. When you consider he's so slight still, mm. you know, he's got the, the body of a child still, yeah. hasn't he? I mean, I'm sure he hasn't, but, you know, it's, he looks very, very slight, especially compared to some of the others, especially the big poles, you yeah. know, like, mm. you can compare to... Not to, the poles, the, no, not, no, the Polish. No, not the actual pole, the Polish athlete. To be athlete. fairly sad, it's pretty sad. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so you think he's got a lot of sort of muscle to put on, but mm. who knows? Maybe because that's power, it's a power-to-weight yeah, ratio, power to isn't ratio, it? Yeah. So he's probably, probably spot on. The other thing his dad said when, when I spoke to him was that he, that he has so much margin for error because his, his technique is so good mm. that he can do a really poor vault and still get over it because the distance, that he, I don't know the technical terms, the, his technique over the, over the pole gives him so much more space. Oh, really? So he's got mm. the margin for error. So when he gets it right, he gets it really right. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he gets it wrong, he can still get over because of his technique on the top end of the pole. It's brilliant. I mean, you've also got to think of things like longer poles. Obviously, they, they're harder to... Um, yeah, you've got to be stronger to pick them. Yeah, but at, at some point, you know, if he's heading towards the 620s, you know, used to get over 580. If you start getting over 680, 6, sorry, 620, do you need like another half a metre on your yeah, pole? Yeah, that is where he will need to get stronger. Mm, yes, because of the, the, the longer the pole, obviously, the, the heavier mm. it is. But yeah, you're absolutely right, because a pole you're jumping even six metres on is probably different than one you're jumping 620 on. Must be. Well, no one's, been, no one's jumped 620 before. <laughs> 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 never been an issue. But his technique over the pole is allows amazing. him that difference. Yeah. And I think that brings us on to something really, really interesting, which is how the hell, if he remains technically sound is anyone going to beat him mm. he vaulted against a very very informed sam kendricks who broke his own american record yeah. recently and he in glasgow yesterday and he won that competition by 43 oh. centimeters sam mm. only managed 575 sam is a much better jumper than 575 yeah. but the point stands that unless mondo has a spectacularly off day people won't be able to beat him. We could be about to see one of the most dominant eras in a single event in athletics that we've seen for a long time. Sure, but there are lots of others, really young pole vaulters coming through, aren't there? Let's talk about um, them then. Well, no, because I can't remember their names. <laughs> but, but Harry Cockle. Harry Cockle, of course, yeah. <laughs> but there's Cole, someone, isn't there, the American? There's Curtis the guy, Marshall from Australia. Curtis Marshall. Yeah. There's the guy who got the um, silver at the Europeans, the Russian guy. Oh, of course, yes. him. Well, None him. of us had heard of him, had um, But even like Thiago Brass who's still only, what, mm. 24 or something. So it's not that there is young talent, but he's in a different league. Um, what was interesting also is when people go to set a world record, um, when he did it in Turun, Turun the other day, he went like six metres world record. Yeah. Mm. Didn't try 6.5, didn't try 6.10, no. just to build yourself up and he give you some confidence. Yesterday. Yeah, it's, mm. I've never seen that before, to jump 20 centimetres. Because even technically, you'd think you'd want to try out 
six ten mm. to get your. I mean, he just doesn't need this because he's he's like it's it's inbred in him. Mm. It'd be interesting to go back and look and see what Sergio Booker did when he yeah. was doing those one centimeter records. He was so far above the rest of the field. I wonder if he was jumping from like five eighty to six ten, six twelve. Um, we can easily look into that. And really exciting also that he's someone who's so mentally strong that he doesn't need a competitive element to produce those performances. Some people, like Atiana Barcelata, produce clutch performances or Neil Emerson or Nafi Tiam, but he doesn't seem to need that. It was an exhibition mm. in Glasgow and it was an exhibition in Toronto and he still set a world record. Um, the one thing, the last two world <laughs> records have been set indoors mm. and they changed the pole vault stands didn't they a few years ago so because do you remember the bar used to be flat on all sides so it could bounce around and still stay on yeah and then they yeah. changed it so it's only it's only flat on one side yeah which obviously makes it more difficult to keep it on um and both world records have been set indoors where there's no wind conditions to think about so i wonder if you're gonna see it world records outdoors because it makes it a lot different more difficult well the last three have been indoors haven't they mondo's two and yeah. renee's one was indoors as well so that suggests that maybe it's much easier to do it indoors now, they've not been world records, but they've been British records, and the performances that have accompanied them have been incredibly impressive. Mondo's only 20, but Gemma Riki <laughs> is also an absolute baby. She's just turned 21. She's only been a professional for about 18 months. I think it would be remiss not to talk about the 10 days that she's just had. <laughs> <laughs> Gemma Riki is someone we've absolutely had our eye on. 100%. European junior champion, double European under 23 <laughs> champion. So we're like, yes, she's coming. She's going to be really good. Mm. In a few years, she's going to be a world beater. And then she did, she did okay at the World Championship. Did, what did she... She went to the World Championship. Yeah, she, she comes did, second at yes. the trials. Um, and she... So we're like, okay, this is a year she can build. She'll mm. get in the Olympic team. And suddenly, she's leading the world at over 800, which isn't her number one event. No. She's, it's the fastest time indoors for 13 years or something. I think it is, Something yes. like that. Mm. And then to, to break Laura's British mile record and cope fifth all-time, something ridiculous. Yeah, fifth all-time in And yours. break the 1,500 record <laughs> on the way. Insane. And then that race yesterday, which was not tactically a good race. It was a mess. It was one of the worst races. Well, not, that's not fair, but we're only watching her. So mm. I watched every, we watched every mistake and where she didn't get out and all the rest of it. But to have that composure yeah, and the belief mm. in your own talent and speed and to come up on the inside, which is a tactic I hate. Oh, <laughs> I hate it on the pop. But to, to have the confidence to do that mm. and to be a world-class field, I mean, that's, it's something special is happening with her. It's completely a different athlete to the one that we saw a year ago who actually got stuck in very similar conditions when she was running in her heats when we went up to watch her in Glasgow in the European mm. indoors. Very similar race unfolded. She got stuck in the middle. She completely panicked and used a lot of energy, achieving very, very little. Fast forward a year and the difference is, I mean, it's there in the results. And I always, I bang it on and on about this, but I first saw Gemma Riki run at the Scottish Under-20 National Champs up somewhere. Why are we in... at the Scottish Under-20 National Champs? <laughs> okay, so everything. No, I was commentating <laughs> for Vinco. Uh, Vinco Sport, our good pals. Um, it was one of my first commentary gigs for them. And Gemma went in the women's 800 metres, ran a really, really nice race, came away, got the win. And I got chatting to her grandmother afterwards <laughs> in the toilets, who said that she'd enjoyed my commentary. Thank you very much for being so nice about her granddaughter. And then I met Gemma in the bathroom shortly afterwards and had a bit of a chat. And just ever since then, I've kept a really close eye on her and we stay in touch. And it's been so interesting hearing from behind the scenes how... 
in the last year or so, she started to beat Laura mm. over shorter raps in sessions. Because I remember you saying that mm. back in the summer. Well, you, you interviewed, didn't you? In the, in the yes, I did. Worked with her a couple of times now. But what this shows is mm. how important it is to have training groups like that. When you've got someone like Laura and Gemma's training with her, it makes you see that world-class athletes are not out of your reach. It's the same we were talking about Dina last yeah. week and the, the effect that she has on the British um, female sprinters, mm. having a world champion in your midst and someone you see every week and you know she's not, she's not an alien, she's just someone just like you. So training with Laura and um, the Canadian Gabby Debu Stafford as well. Mm. All sub- you hear that? I was getting a name right. Not that. <laughs> not a British one either. <laughs> all sub four... Um, 1500 meter runners training together mm. makes such a big difference. Hi, this is Tony Minicello, and you're listening to The Back Straight Boys. <laughs> Real shame that that British record, or the world record rather, over the kilometre wasn't on for Laura yesterday, but I think she's had a really disrupted winter, and you could Has see she? it in that final lap. She spent, I think she spent six weeks out of spikes before oh. Christmas. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. But also, I don't like these, like, that world record is Maria Matola's world record. Mm. Maria Matola's the greatest 800 metre record um, runner of all time. And especially indoors, I think she was seven times Some, world indoor like champion that. or something wow. over 800 metres. Mm. So Laura isn't even an 800 metre runner. I mean, she's good, but she's not a 155, 154, 800 metre runner, which Maria Matola was. So the idea that she's going to break Maria Matola's indoor world record, I think is a bit of a stretch anyway. So... I mean, she missed it by a considerable amount in the end, but I'm not sure it was ever on. But they do that a lot, don't they? It's, it's, they do it a lot in Britain as well. I don't see it so often in other places yeah. where they put on these kind of like weird like sort of mid-distance mid, um, distance, um records, record attempts, which win or not. And then they want to be able to say, well, record was set. Yeah. But it's not a world record, is it? You know? mm. um, yeah, I mean, it, it, the fact she said six weeks off, I, did, I wasn't aware of. But having said that, she's still running really well. Yeah. I mean, she ran a second fastest um, 800 behind the average yeah, she ever. So that suggests she is in form. Maybe she just needs to get that endurance back. Mm. Um, and there's, you know, we've got months to go yet yeah, until the Olympics. Also, you could see there with, obviously, Laura's the bigger name because she's won so many medals yeah. and in so many finals and stuff. But if they'd really wanted a world record, what they should have done is put Laura in the 1,500 and put Gemma in the 1,000. That's a really good point. God, I wonder how fast Gemma would be. Oh, the optimal distance Exactly, yeah. Really nice to see Adele Tracy as well. Finishing second with a big PB. So fantastic to see that she's running well. We've been talking a lot about um, world records, British records, but to be honest, my highlight of the day was neither a British record or a world record. Um, it was Jessie Knight in the 400 metres. Yes! Oh. Great shout. Like, to be honest, I, I know Jessie Knight had run fast indoors. I had to look her up because I was thinking of Jessica Turner. Yes, the four hurdlers. Yeah, well, they're mm. both four hurdlers. Yes, so, they are. And, mm. right, stop. Mm. I was still thinking of Jessica Turner. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so weird because when she came on, I thought, oh, yeah, she's the four hurdler. Yeah. And then they said it about four hurdlers, and I was pleased myself for being right, but you're right. I'm, I was thinking of Jessica Turner. Because you remember um, Jessica Turner at the... You, the World, World Cup or relay? No, it wasn't World Relay last year. But she came in and she ran a relay. No, she, in the, it was in the mixed relay. She ran a leg in the mixed relay and she did it at the, the World Cup beforehand. Yeah, so, but that's, yeah so, so we know she's good over the 400. But Jessie Knight is also a four hurdler. She missed out on going to Doha because she was 100th or 200th outside the automatic qualifying. And then she did get an invite from the IWF, which of course was turned down because she doesn't have podium potential. Um, bunny ears in the studio <laughs> you can see around podium potential <laughs> so to have that happen in mm. September and to come back and run fifth all time 
in Great Britain. Because only last week she'd run, what was she, eighth all time or something? 52. 21. 50, and also, we should just throw in here that Amber Anning ran a big, big um, yes. PB um, in America at 52.25 um, at the weekend or just last yeah, week, didn't big she? Int- Friday. Um, Friday. Um, though she's now gone off fifth all time and yeah. it's super fast. It's like she's, she's the third fastest in the world this year at the moment. Well, also worth she... mentioning that Amber the same night dropped a 51.85 relay split and I know relay splits are there or thereabouts but how lovely to see her bedding in across yeah. the pond and I think you're going to bear was it you who said you've been in touch with I, her I'd her. message her we need to have a chat a catch up because we spoke to her last year mm. about her going off to America and about how tough it was being in America and how people sink or swim so it'd be really nice to have a little chat with her and find out how it's going it's obviously going very well yes. because indoors she's I think only one tenth slower than her outdoor PB last year. Going to smash it. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> Just quickly back to Jessie Knight, yes. we've now discovered it's not who I thought she was. Um, <laughs> um, what was so, so impressive is she, the race started, the gun went off, and I thought she started very slightly slowly. And I thought, oh, well, she's got these big names around her. And she's in lane three, and it's tough, that's three, a tough exactly, name. Yeah, and then suddenly, like, I was like, oh no, go on, go on, go on. And she <laughs> went in front. I didn't think she was going to hold in front. Yeah, but she's at that seems... point when um, Justina Shretty Ursatich comes down exactly. and he's tr- going to overtake her and she won't let no, her. Exactly. The confidence to do that at the reigning European champion, Absolutely. the finalist from Doha, mm. who is also the world leader this year, yeah. to go, no, you're not going in front of mm. me. And Jessie, I think, would be the first person to say this, but on paper, she should have finished last. Right. Um, but then... That was a, it was a really good field, wasn't it? It wasn't really like, a, wasn't like a, um, a one of those dodgy, like, thrown-together fields they sometimes have. But she, she went in the front, and at no point did I actually think... Um, no, she she's was really going to come strong, past. She looked she? so strong. She looked like a proper, like a real 400-metre runner, didn't she? It made me, like, tingly. <laughs> we are starting to build up quite the arsenal of quarter-milers oh, on the women's side of things. We, we don't have, like, that one world beater, mm. but we've got so many in that kind of second level. I think there's going to be so many under 51 next year. I think, you know what, you could be completely right. Lavin Nielsen had such a breakthrough. Yeah. She's had a breakthrough kind of 24 months, but the last 12 months she's gone to being someone who is... You could argue a world, you know, a yes, world class 100 meter runner. I, mean, I think she's you, ranked on the rankings 10th in the world, which is incredible. But you've also got Dobbins, Williams. You've got Emily Diamond, who's always such a solid runner. Zoe you've got Clark. Zoe Clark, who's a fantastic lead off leg option. Like we're absolutely drowning in them. It's fabulous. Yeah. yeah, and for that relay, and because obviously Poland have established themselves now as the 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 like. We, we kind of count off Jamaica and America yeah. as the upcoming one and two. Although Jamaica came third last year. It's always between us and Poland for that bronze, and usually we win. The last couple of years, Poland's relay team have really got to... I'm not sure their runners are even that much faster. They're not. But in a relay, they've got something special. Mm. Um, so they're all 51, 52-second runners, which is what we are as well. But they're just, there's something happens to them with a relay. But hopefully, I think this year, we're going to have a slightly faster people. So... I think that bronze, we need to get that bronze. <laughs> it's, it's one of those medals that we always count on, isn't it? So, so true. There were a couple of other British performances which weren't necessarily personal best, but were just really nice to see, I thought, in Glasgow yesterday. It's fabulous that Andrew Potsy seems to be mm. putting some form together and looks, hopefully, to be niggle-free for the first time in maybe since Birmingham when he mm. won that world title. It's obviously, he now can't go on to defend. Um, I thought Amy Hunt and Emma Pippi looked very, very comfortable in the company of Shelley Amphrey's prize <laughs> and Uhure. So that was really great. And also, Amy Hunt is a 200-metre runner, primarily. Mm. I mean, obviously, she's fast over 100, but 60 is very short for her. And can I say now, I'm just going to say it now, probably take 10 years, she's going to be a 400-metre runner, isn't she? Yeah. Oh, yeah, looking at that build and that striving. I mean, and I know I said it, I probably said it last week, and we're going to say it all the time, she's like a young Kathy Cook. And it, <laughs> she is. She yeah. physically 
looks, she looks like, like Hattie Cook. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. really tall like Kathy Cook. Um, and you couldn't have a better role model to be than Kathy Cook, especially if you're going to move to 400. Guy Learmonth ran really well to yeah, finish third did, in the yeah. uh, 800 metres. And you won't, it wasn't noticed because Guy was the first Brit home, but just in fourth place, a few tenths of second behind him, Josh Kerr ran a PB. Mm. And Josh Kerr, after that final reaching performance in Doha, is someone we, I think we can get really excited about. I have to say... I'm going through a period at the moment, and it's a good good thing to have. It's a good period to, to have. But I'm completely confused by all the British male 800 and 1500 meter runners. Because there's so many. way too many of them. Ooh, should we do a special? Uh, well, I won't know who's who. So. This is help you. You have to interview one of them, and it's that one that you know. I'm going to have to make myself like a, a board or something to keep, keep track of them all. Um, because it's, there's so many who we had great, um, great. Um, um, turn out of the worlds last year with like everybody actually running well, which was surprised us, mm. didn't it? But there was another whole series behind them that all equally could have gone, and especially when you um, put in the juniors, um, all four from, of them, all yeah. four of them exactly. <laughs> so it's it's very confusing to me at the moment. Yeah, you know what I'm starting to get even more excited about than I normally am for Tokyo and for the upcoming season is the women's long jump. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> you're right, actually, because it's a very competitive event, and there's some mm. people we need to talk about. But can we just talk about, before we do, can I just quickly link into what Claire was just saying about yeah. people who did really well like yesterday? Yeah. Jasmine Sawyers, if there's one person in the team who you want to count on in a clap situation, it's her. Because yeah. she looked, like, looked down and out, and her last possible chance, she go makes into the last three. Obviously, the last three is another discussion. Got to talk like, about that. <laughs> I, I love that about Jasmine Sawyers. She, every time, you know, she, she never, she gets quite down on herself, doesn't she, it seems. Mm. But like, I always think she never lets us down. No, never. But, okay, let's then, before we talk about how exciting the long job's going to be over the course of the year, let's talk about what a dismal suggestion it is by someone to have the prize money for a competition decided by the last three going through to a jump-off when the pressure means that all three of them fell. Was it the pressure? No, did they do that on purpose? Can, can I just say, Claire's oh, place? what a cracking conspiracy theory. <laughs> but do we know that, the old, that it doesn't revert back to whoever won the thing doesn't get the prize money? Surely it does. It oh, must yeah, yeah. Someone's so, got Can I just say, we didn't have three fails. No. We had two fails. The <laughs> Swedish woman in the middle, his name I can't remember, she didn't fail. She just did a really shit jump. So she walked back. She walked back at, or, like, or failed, it, yes. failed it. She would have won if she'd known the rules, which clearly she didn't. I think there are a lot of rules around at the moment. There's a lot of athletes around the world. I saw, um, I did my little roses of red at the top, inspired by some of the very funny ones that the Athleticos were tweeting. And it might have been Gabby Piracini. Someone did one about the world rankings and how <laughs> utterly, utterly flabbergasting they are. And all these little gimmicks like a jump off for prize money. So just explain what happened, Jenny. So... There's a new rule that's going to be in the Diamond League, apparently. No. <laughs> yes. I thought it was just something. No. no. So the chase is gone, but that rule's in. Apparently. We'll wait and see if that actually lasts, because every long jumper, Greg was complaining about it, Dan Bramble was complaining about it, all the long jumpers were complaining about it yesterday. I mean, you should just... No, go on. So, after the fifth round, whoever's the top three jumpers for the final get another jump. So, just three people. Every previous throw... No, every previous jump, jump is discounted. discounted, and it's just what you achieve in the... This is the rule they had at the World Cup, or the World... The, the, one, the, the, British, the, one, the one in the, um, the, one at the um, Olympic Stadium? Yes, and you remember in the, in the discus, some, the, so in, what ends up happening is the furthest throw, throw doesn't, doesn't win. win yeah. Anyway, so the, it's just down to the last three jumps. So if you could have jumped a world record in round three. Yeah. So you get into the last... If you fail in the last round... You don't win. 
Yeah? So yes. Was, but this time, all three of them failed. So I don't actually know what happened. But it was an utter shambles. And they say they do it in consultation with field eventers. Not, not the woman who came second. Oh, it's like the Swiss people they talk to about exactly. the restructuring of the diamond. You're like, who are these people? Well, they, they didn't. And they're, 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 I suppose the basic argument is they want to put a spotlight on the last round of, the, of a field event because often the last round might be anticlimactic because mm. no one... Or it just ends and no one's really taking any notice exactly. it's in the middle but, of a 1500 metre race. And that's how it's been for 100 years and that's how field events work. But it's a very easy way to put a spotlight on the last round of a, of a show long jump. Put a spotlight on the last <laughs> round of the long jump. I mean, <laughs> but also for all the times when it when it, it ends in like in in a damp squib, you have the nineteen ninety one world world long jump or two thousand and three Eunice Barber yeah, one least one like, least like the whole stadium watching the, the field mm. event that like nineteen eighty three women's javelin like there's for every event when there's an amazing one so like it's just nonsense tinkering with things that don't need changing and making it look it's actually a laughing stock I'm backing you up there Bear the way to make the last round of a long jump competition or triple jump competition exciting is show the first second third fourth and fifth (laughs) rounds so that there is a narrative to it exactly Christian Taylor's experience in Doha in the men's triple jump could be an epic length blockbuster Hollywood movie by itself because it's a sequence of jumps that tell a story you want to make the last round exciting have people invested in the people that have been jumping since round one but they kept saying and I know we complain about the BBC's and they've gone back to it again chatting when there's stuff going on and at one point they said and there's a women's long jump on but didn't show it mm. and then they, when they came to it they kind of the way they spoke about it, it was as if it's just started but they're all at 190 so like it's, high jump yeah sorry high jump yeah. sorry um talking about things that don't need to be talked about when there's action mm. going on like a lot of th- there's a woman on um on twitter called pole vault power yeah um uh, who is the pole vault expert she must be here and she was reading like, I feel really sorry for you British guys. I've not seen such awful coverage since the 1990 um, <laughs> American trials and stuff. She said, it's, I saw that as well, but come on, she's, if she's watched any American coverage. No, she was, what she was talking about was how awful the coverage of the poll was. Yeah. Mm. And then she was mentioning the Puff stories. They did one about Cat. She said, it's like the, it's like the Olympic stuff we get yeah. um, um, in America. Taking a positive approach to the long jump, though, Marina Beck for a Munchuk has got the world lead. Mm. She's gone over six nineteen about five times. She hasn't got the world lead, though, has she? No, um, because Mahambo did it on Friday. I was seven just seven. about to say I haven't seen anything of Mahambo this year, so she has been out jumping. And yeah, she, she, yeah, she lost seven. her first. She lost her first, but mm-hmm. she's won two since then. She won in Karlsruhe or, or Dortmund or one, and then she's just won um, at the weekend seven oh seven. Amazing. Well, because we know that's the thing. We know what she can produce, and we know that she's a class apart on her day. But the fact that we have got these athletes now who are consistently pushing towards the seven meter mark, I think it's going to be a red hot event in Tokyo. But this, um, where's she from? She from is Ukraine. Yes, Ukraine. Ukraine. Okay, she's literally the twin of Ivana Spanovic. They, they look the same, same. They run the, the same. The same, the same back there. Exactly the same. If you like on a one way, it's be difficult to tell them to apart. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's great to have some. People jumping seven because like Brittany, Brittany Reese and um, Tiana, Tiana, always great competition. Both not, I mean they're around and they're jumping, but they're not at seven meter form at the moment. But Mahambo's had it all her own way last year, and it's good to have some mm. competition. And also the British girls, they weren't great yesterday, but like I've obviously got very, we're very confident about yeah. them in the summer. And what's great is we've got literally five, six who could qualify 
Again, it's, it's the most it's the most strength in depth British um, mm. in world class terms, I think, at the moment. Isn't it? I mean, last time we had five people in the top fifteen or top yeah, thirteen or something. I'm Andy Butcher, and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. We're going to be doing a new feature in 2020 on the Backstreet oh, really? Boys. I haven't told you about this yet, um, <laughs> but we're going to be bringing as often as we can updates on the location and whereabouts of Christian Coleman. So that ah. if you listen to the podcast, and then whilst you're listening to it, you see a lost-looking person with a urine sample pot, you can tell them where he is because he's not so good at doing that himself but he was competing at the US Indoor Champs uh-huh. on I think Friday night and he won the title in 6.37 just three hundredths off his world record so he's now got the four fastest times in US history you probably don't want to chat all that much I don't care about Christian Coleman but I think it is exciting to see that he's running fast because the 100 metres has been dead. It's not exciting to he's running fast because he's not exciting. Yeah, that's the thing. He can run as fast as he like. It's, he's not an exciting person. He brings nothing exciting to the event or to athletics. So, yes. Mm. So, I just, I just don't care. And, until, and also, I don't find it exciting. When you've got Usain Bike running insanely fast times, that's exciting because he's an exciting competitor. Mm. He's an exciting person. Um, but with Christian Coleman, you're going to need some competition to make the 100 metres exciting, yeah. and the competition can't come from Justin Gatlin. So, well, no analysis, no analysis, he's doubling up next year. So okay, cool. Now I'm excited. There we go. <laughs> I quite like DeGrasse. I'm excited yeah. for Prescott, for Hughes. There are lots of people coming through. But, okay, fine. Maybe we, we put Coleman as kind of the hair, and now we <laughs> tell all the other male sprinters, go chase. Yes, fair enough. Also in the US trials, just worth shouting out that the shot put shows no sign of abating. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ryan Krauser threw 22-6-0, the second furthest what? of all time to win the men's title. Which one's Ryan Krauser? The, the curly-haired one. Yeah. I was going to say the big one. But the big one. So is he the Olympic champion? Oh, yes. Uh, yes. If I had to put money on it, I'd say yes. But I kind of American shot putters a bit like um, Kenyan steeplechase. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, so who won the world championships? Just gone? Yeah. Uh, oh, they, they all basically won because it was the best final ever and they all deserved to go. But you've got Tom Walsh and then you've got the Americans. Yes. And I just get frightfully confused. Okay, cool. Because there's Christian Cantwell, he's not still around, but he was, mm. he was like, what, 2013 world champion or something? And he's and just... Who was the one who did knitting? Oh. Who was the one that did knitting? That's I don't Christian remember that Cantwell. That might be Christian Cantwell. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be the backstreet boys if we didn't spend at least five minutes talking rubbish. <laughs> so confusing. But on the women's side, Chase Ely through eighteen ninety nine. Oh. So that's really promising. Also, Sally, interestingly, yeah. at the weekend, uh, Queen Valerie <gasps> through eighteen eighty. Yes, Al. <laughs> Come on. There's one, literally one thing I could have happen this year. It would be that Queen Valerie. Yeah, because last week we were talking about what we were looking forward to at the Olympics. That would be that. Yeah. Would, that's absolutely mm. number one for Valerie to come back. Can I do two little shout-outs for Brits elsewhere? Yes. Loved seeing Alex Bell finish second in armour. Oh, 3K. Mm, she is so versatile. Yeah. We've seen cross-country legs Yeah, great cross-country. She's strong. Mm. And she's finally, she's been given some of that marathon funding pot for the endurance running. I wonder if 800's her event then. Mm. I wonder if she's more a 1500 metre runner. But that's, I mean, that's a tough event to get in as well, isn't it? So. Yeah, very tough. <laughs> Just quickly tell everyone, Ryan mm. Prouser is the Olympic yeah, champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe yes. Kovacs won the oh, world. That's <laughs> the one. He also got a silver at the last Olympics. So it's Campwell, Kovacs, and Krauser. Yeah, that's another reason I can't remember yeah. anyone. And then Tom Walsh got the bronze here, but he got the one the worlds in between, and then he got the one the um, got the bronze last year as well. So right, okay. mm. and Alex Bell runs a good three k on the road. We found out. Yeah. <laughs> not very good at shot put. <laughs> but 
great to see her running well on the roads, running the same distance indoors. I think I saw you guys tweeting about this because it was such a fab performance. Melissa Courtney in Dortmund yeah. last week. Just classy AF. So good to see her running with such confidence. Against really high class mm. class competitors. And this is when she kind of broke through, wasn't it, last year indoors. So And then she got injured in the summer and didn't make the team, which was really sad. So fingers crossed for her this summer. Oh, it's the Olympics. I'm so excited. <laughs> and also, like we were speaking about last week, there is the Olympics, but there's also the Europeans. So for the, there's, there's some events we've got such strength in depth yeah. that it's going to be, hopefully, the people who don't make the Olympics can go to the Europeans. Some people are going to do the Olympics and not want to go to the Europeans. Some people are going to, I don't know, presumably the, the European team is selected before the Olympics. Surely. Well, I'd like there to be some kind of policy whereby if you don't make the Olympic team... Then you get a, a qualified, then you get a European spot or something there. I don't know how quite how it work if you've got Olympic champions wanting to go, but it would it would be really unfortunate if like the same three female long jumpers went to Olympics yeah. and Europeans after when we got three others in the wings. And especially mm. as people who have done the Olympics are going to be really tired. Absolutely, as as as, um, as we were told last week that um, as Jeanette told us last week, you know sometimes straight after a championship you're really flat. And they've got Birmingham Diamond League yeah. in between as well. So sending a flat team to the Europeans when we've got others waiting who could have gone would be a shame. This is Alison Felix and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. Just talking about like all the great young British athletes and there are some events we've got such strength yeah. and depth in at the moment which just I got a tweet yesterday um, from Lulu Bell 392 Oh, I, I wrote that down. <laughs> Snappy. <laughs> um, and she just said um, commenting on last week's um, chat we have with Jeanette just um, listen to your podcast how nice to hear enthusiasm for the season ahead it seemed like wall to wall bad news and there is a lot of negativity around this sport not not necessarily with the athletes and not even necessarily about drugs at the moment but the the whole the UK athletics great British athletics whatever they're called nowadays and there's some, they've got a new chief executive, there's some something going on with the BBC, there's a lot of coaches and people coming out going, they've squandered the um, lottery money and oh. the Olympic legacy. There was whole Zara Hyde Peters thing. Mm. What's happened with her? Well, she was going to be the new something and then she wasn't. Something to do with a scandal involving her husband and something like that. Oh, I missed all of that. appointment to be the new CEO of UK Athletics. And I think people are quite positive about that and I know you've got something to say about that. I just want to talk a little bit about this idea that we've squandered the legacy of 2020, 2012, when we have the most amazing bunch of young athletes across a mass, the biggest range of events That's I can ever remember. Mm. Um, you know we've been watching this sport since forever. And there's this idea of this golden age of the 80s, which, yes, we had some great athletes of the 80s, but we're conflating a decade into one thing. So they weren't all around at the same time. Steve Backley started like in 89. Yeah. He wasn't, so he wasn't there in 81. We had, we had Mick Otley, but um, Dave Otley. But we didn't always have great athletes in all events. And if, when you put the 80s and the 90s together, yeah, we can probably cover all the events, but I've never known a time when we've had so much competition from young people. There's literally sprinters are insane at the moment. Um, the women's 400 is really, yeah, we don't have a superstar, but we've got a massive strength in depth. The, both the men's and the women's middle distance. Yeah, we've never, crazy. how have we ever been able to say that about the men's middle distance? Mm. To have three finalists in Doha. Um, we've still got, even in the marathon, like Cameron, yeah. Cameron, um, Callum Hawkins. Callum Hawkins is, is running really well. In the women's marathon, Charlotte Perdue and um, um, Steph, 12. Steph 12 just run super fast. So there's, even like the women's long um, triple jump, the women's long jump, the high jump, we've got four people over 190 at the moment. 
like the shot put, yeah. like it's the, 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 the men's hammer. Yeah, there's some weaknesses, but there's so much strength. And for people to be negative, I just find it really bizarre right now. Also, you, the, 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 the athletics has changed a lot. Just the amount of new countries coming of in. Of course. You know, the amount of, um, the, the amount, the, the, world, the worldwide nature of the sport. Back in the 80s, we didn't have Africans, really. I mean, there were some, but like, we didn't have them, the Kenyans and the Ethiopians running the distance races. We had Joseph Coach, Steve Abetz, Steve Crams, who were amazing, and no one's knocking them. But who knows what they would have been running if you had all the Kenyan runners and all the Ethiopian runners in there as well. Maybe they wouldn't be the legends that they are. But also, Russia, we used to have the um, Soviet Union, mm. which split up into like 15 new countries, yeah. each who have got new athletes. We, we did have a few Kenyan and a few Ethiopian runners, but now we've got Ugandan runners, South African runners. Mm-hmm. We've also got them in events that they weren't, didn't. Yeah. We, the other year, was it 2015, they won the four hurdles, they won the javelin. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you, it's a totally different world. Obviously, we've got Jamaicans winning gold at Concord. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and, the, and the long jump and the discus. So, like, the idea that we're going to be winning the same amount of medals as we did in the 80s and 90s is ludicrous. And we shouldn't be judging them against that. I have to say, it always frustrates me, and this isn't just for athletics, it's across the board, how funding is totally based on medals. Medals, I know. Because then what you do is you shove all your eggs in one basket and you forget about... um, the other events. Luckily, as you said, we have lots of things, lots of people coming up through the ranks. But things like um, Mo have kept us afloat for the last like two yeah. Olympic mm. cycles, and now Mo's not around, and Jess and Greg are, are gone as well. Um, suddenly, you can see a sort of slight bit of panic, as if we're supposed to um, continue getting those gold medals. We just got two gold medals at the World Championship, two brilliant gold medals in events. You know. Um, <laughs> women, of course, um, but the women, in fact, we have a women's sprint um, yeah. gold medal and, and two silver medals, two silver medals as well. It's absolutely crazy and something we've never ever had before. Um, and I, th- I think I only see positives. You know, yeah. I really only see positives. There's a few weak spots, but there's always been a few weak spots. They're just the interesting thing is the weak spots are now potentially events that we used to be strong in, and I think that's where some people get like. Um, annoyed about things isn't it mm. where they think like why don't we have this anymore well we don't but we have Dina you know yeah, we have, instead we have Kat and we have we have so many young people we have Gemma Ricky we have um, Neve Emerson yeah. like this yes. like, there's just people who are going to in the next few years be winning gold medals and if they don't win gold medals and we come away from Olympics without a gold medal it's not the end of the world um, people on Twitter yesterday were saying I would rather us have like four Ten med- finalists. Exactly. Mm. The, like one gold medal doesn't mean anything. We are in really rude health, yes. I think, as a nation. And it is so brilliant. Every time I go onto the Power of Ten homepage and I look at those two lists of podium potential and the funding for the people yeah. who are going to get medals, and I know every name on it and they are really exciting. And also there are some cracking personalities amongst it, which is only going to help grow the sport more and drive that take-up. I also think on Power of Ten, because Power of Ten has been around, I don't know, 10 years or whatever now, and I've always thought, sometimes it's a bit embarrassing, because it's called Power of Ten, and he wants 10 people above <laughs> that standard, and often there's like three, you know, and, and often it hasn't changed in years. Mm-hmm. But I do notice, it's been going on recently, there's just events where there's just those three, four more people than, than ever before, mm-hmm. you know, things like the women's shop put where you just like see it's not like we're overflowing with you've got three or four up there but doing credible things credit credible things that would have five six seven ten years ago have been the very best you know but now yes. we've got four or five 
they're, they're taking over that. It's just, to me, all that kind of thing is way more exciting. And I actually wanted to say something, but I didn't want to interrupt you in such a magnificent flow. When you're talking <laughs> about Dina winning gold in Doha, there were performances behind her by other British sprinters, yes. which would have been our leading headlines yeah. four or five years ago. The things that <laughs> Jodie and Beth are doing are absolutely wonderful. But they're almost not getting noticed yeah. because the standard of British athletics, what we hold our athletes accountable to, is so high. And I think that actually, whilst it might mean that there are some negative story, you know, headlines on the BBC Sport app, actually that's a sign of how far we've come. But you look at the men's 100 metres at the moment. Yeah. Yes, we don't have a for Christie, but we've got five, I think, athletes who've run under 10 seconds. Mm. CJ's back this year, Adam's around, Zarnell, Reese. Um, Reese, OG, well, oh, yeah. he's very, very close. Oh, God, yeah. Like, and there's, and we're also like Miguel Francis and people exactly. who haven't quite seen yet. Exactly, that, this ridiculous uh, Nathan Neil. He's one under. Yes, yeah, so that's like Dan is back. So, like, the idea that we don't have great athletes or that we're lacking in something is bizarre to me. Yes, there's weak spots. Yes, we have to look at the throws and we have to look at some of the field events. Um, but but apart, but that's it goes in cycles, like. There'll become a time when Steve Backley was the biggest thing in British athletics, and now we don't have a javelin thrower. But it will go in cycles. One day we won't have a sprinter, mm. and we're gonna. But we have a hammer thrower now. Yeah. Like so, I don't know what people want. I just don't understand. It actually means that, and we'll only talk about her for all of two minutes because I think I really want to end on a positive, and that was such a feel-good conversation. <laughs> but Joanna Adams has arrived as the new UK CEO, and it might on paper appear that with Salazar, with the Hyde Peters episode, with lottery funding being criticised, and a lot of people saying that grassroots initiatives are falling flat, she has a lot of fires to fight. But actually, she has inherited quite a healthy empire yeah. and quite an exciting empire she was the former um, England netball administrator and she did wonderful things at the helm of that organization look at where English netball is compared to where it was five years ago where I don't think people could have told you where England netball was well we're excited because um Serena Guthrie who's (laughs) just followed us on Twitter did she yeah I noticed it I noticed it last night that Serena Guthrie had followed us on Twitter and I immediately copied it and sent it to Jodie and he was like why is she she following us I was like well you know absolutely brilliant you know what I would love to see her lace up some spikes because that girl is phenomenally quick yes she isn't she and like yeah she was my favourite I remember watching her at the Commonwealth so this the the woman who's taken over as the chief executive Mm. I don't know what a chief executive does. Are they in charge of the business side? I think it's very much the business side of things, and that's where she is very, very well placed. So is that like kind of like the old Nils de Voss role? Or the old... Who's the other guy? Uh, Dave Moorcroft was... No, 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 there was two of them. Um, someone war- Warner. Warner. Ed Warner. I think... Don't know. I think the idea is that what she will bring to the role, and perhaps the role changes a little bit in its responsibilities according to the person who's been appointed, but her idea is to grow participation at grassroots level, work really hard to bring in major sponsors and television agreements, and just generally expand the system of athletics, which she's very well placed to do because that is exactly what she did for England Netball. And she's also been a director at Notts County FC, and someone who has worked in a sport as professional and well-run in many ways as football, I think can bring a wealth of experience to athletics where there are still some very amateur practices in place. (laughs) But the Muller sponsorship has just been... Yes. um, Extended. They're huge. really happy for it, and I mm. think it's been a great fit. That's and for them to have Dina in the adverts, to have Cat in the adverts, to have Adam in the adverts, mm. it must be good for them. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when you are a super fan of something, you don't quite understand how famous people within that sport are. So, in, in, in this um, situation, we're talking about sport, but it can be anything. It could be a 
a pop group, an act or anything, um, you can't quite fathom how um, famous they are to the rest of the world. So in my world, obviously Usain Bolt is as much face famous people there are. I understand that Usain Bolt, he transcended the sport, didn't he? So when I see Kat on that prime time ATV eating a yogurt, I think, see, the whole whole of Britain now knows yeah. who she is, don't they? And that, that's what the really great sponsorship can do. That's a really great partnership for both of them, surely. She's all over the tube at the moment as well, have right. you seen, and that protein advert yeah. keeps in ca- everywhere. I, I, like, there's always this, like, athletics can't get sponsors and stuff, or they're not, the, the sports in disarray, bad, disarray yeah. and bad health. But, like, do, do they say things like this about cricket? I mean, does cricket have more followers, or... People going like is more popular than athletics. It's funny how some sports. I don't know because I don't. I've never. I've never seen a cricket match in my life. Is it? But some sports that seem to have been huge like 20, 30 years ago have completely fallen off a cliff, as far as I'm concerned. So that would be cricket, snooker, darts, even boxing to a certain extent. I know boxing's got the whole pay per view thing, so there's still millions being raked in. But the the actual um the the, um public sort of level of um what's the word I'm saying? Profile. The profile of it, yeah, is is way way lower than it used to be. To me, and again, this might be because I'm inside, athletics always seems to be, like, doing pretty well. It seems to me, like, athletics, when you have a Usain Bolt or a Dean Asher-Smith, perhaps, or a Jessica Ennis-Hill or a Mo Farah who transcends the sport and becomes globally famous, then when they are competing at major championships or running world records, that gets a lot of headlines. Yeah. But otherwise, as someone who works in other sports, it's once every four years that athletics gets a moment. And I think... She's Joanna Adams has come in during an Olympic year, so she's got a chance to massively amplify its profile in a year where that would happen to her anyway. I'm interested to see what she does for the three years after mm-hmm. Tokyo and what her experience in other sports and other business areas can do so that athletics has fewer troughs and more peaks or at least more consistency. That makes total sense. But it's not just an Olympic year when athlete, athletics gets attention because every time the viewing figures come out, for a major athlete, a major meeting, it's always millions of viewers for athletics, especially for timings. Like I think Berlin had the biggest sporting figures of the year, or something, like, something crazy. So yeah. it, the people do watch athletics and are interested in athletics. So I need to build on that, like you said, not mm. just around the major championships. But I don't understand why people talk about it not being popular when we fill out the Olympic Stadium and, and it's got massive viewing figures. I don't understand. Well, someone who knows more about it than we do. The, the but, inner, inner workings, clearly something. I think but also, it's, as with everything, it's to do with newspapers and they will write about two people. Mm. Yeah. Like, whereas there'll be water ball, football or rugby or anything else. Athletics, it needs one of... There's only two people they'll probably write about in Britain. Mm. So. Which is where, actually, Jai Adams can't have too much impact. But what I'm hoping is that what she lacks in athletics specialism, she's got that business yeah. knowledge and savviness and she can just make the whole thing more efficient, more profitable, and that can go back into grassroots initiatives and making sure that we pin all of our hopes on more than two people at a time. Absolutely. Hi, my name is Asha Phillip, and you're listening to The Backstreet Boys. We love a moan, right? Everyone knows we love a a moan and a rant, but more than that, we love athletics, (laughs) and we love the exciting young people who are coming up. We've seen some great performances indoors this season that really raise our hopes for what's going to happen outdoors, and then there'll be people, even more people, who come out of the woodwork in the summer as well. We've got to remember it's only eight weeks to the first Diamond League. <laughs> God, it's come around so <laughs> fast. It's just not going to be the same without those missing events, but I obviously will. Yeah. As long as I know which day of the week it's on, I will 100% be tuning in. Okay. 
Can I just say one thing before we wrap up? Last week, when we were in, introduced... <laughs> this is what happens when Claire's not yeah, here. Yeah, he was laughing already. Last week, when we were introducing um, the podcast, um, we said that Claire had been busy at work, Jodie had been away on holiday, and that I had spent the last um, 10 weeks celebrating Abigail Irizarry's amazing world championship win. That you never win. followed up on that. I was confused. <laughs> never explained. So I'm just going to tell, tell you what happened and why I've been celebrating Abigail's amazing world championship win. Um, a few weeks back, I was in my, I won't say who, in my a betting account that I sometimes use for doing athletics and championships. And I saw that there was, there was a lot of money in my account. It was like £270. And I was like, what on earth is that doing there? So I looked in, I was searching around and I could find no explanation whatsoever of where it had come from. I did put some bets on during the World Championships, but nobody won. So <laughs> <laughs> they were all totally wasted. So I'm looking on it and I'm thinking like, what can this be? So I tried to take the money out and it won't come out. I thought, okay, fine. Let me call up and find out what's going on. So I called up and spoke to someone at this betting firm and said, there's some money in my account. Can you tell me where it came from? So they went into it, looked, and they said, oh, sir, what we discovered is that money is for Abigail Orizuru winning the world championships in the long jump. Sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) To which I said, thank you very much, and promptly hung up. You did not. Went back into my account. As if you're confessing this on a broadcast platform. (laughs) I went back into my account, and I um, tried to take the money out. Wouldn't come out. Tried again, wouldn't come out. He just kept saying that they had to check it. So it has to be like um, verified before the money come out. Obviously, I thought, okay, well, it's being verified and it's not going to be released. Um, would not, would not be given out to me. So I went down to my local shop, spent three quarters of an hour whilst they constantly like had to phone head office and sort out new password and things. And finally, the cashier's handed me over. <laughs> 200, I left a tenner in, £260. <laughs> I very graciously gave each cashier £10 each to say thank you very I much. Oh, and then I quickly hurried out the shop. <laughs> Thanks, Abigail. So thank you, Abigail. Next time I see you, drinks are on me. You are a fraud and naughty and immoral and you're probably going to be behind bars by the time we next record. But that is a fantastic story and I'm glad we waited a week for it. <laughs> You have been listening to the Backstreet Boys and Girl Athletics Chat. Two episodes in February, plenty more to come over the rest of 2020. It is an Olympic year after all. We've got now a middle distance men's special coming up by the sounds of it, which I can't wait to hear what Bayer has to contribute to that. I believe some famous um, British athletes might have been in touch asking to come on the podcast. Absolutely. We'll save those for the later. The big reveal. And of course, there will be a preview for the Diamond League season. So if you like triple jump, discus throwing and uh, steeplechase, then just come back once the season's over in September and we look forward to seeing you then. As ever, you can get in touch on social media. You can leave us a review on wherever you get your podcasts from. And just let us know what you want, really, yeah. for 2020. If you want more interview specials, if you want more theme specials, if you want more previews, reviews, um, if you want us to do more research, sorry, <laughs> do. Um, but do get in touch. You can find me on Twitter at Claire underscore G Thomas. Boys, what about you? We're on Twitter at Backstraight B. And we're on Instagram at Backstraight Boys Podcast. Yes. <laughs>